0: For Harper Grace, this is just to mess with your recording back there. The word that I got for Harper was that she will be and is already a difference maker. Now what that difference will be, some of it remains to be seen, but I got that pretty clear and it kind of aligns with some of the other things that people shared this morning, but that she would be a difference maker in a world that we all know could use a little difference being made. Oh, welcome to the family room of The Rock. We call it, for anybody that's visiting, we call it a family room because it's just that. We have our really good times, we have our difficult times, we have our celebrations, we have our time in the Word, we ask questions, we answer questions. We thank Jesus for being Jesus, and we thank Him so much for His love here in this family room. Uh, before we get into the teaching, am I good? Do I have a couple minutes yet, Nick? All right, I'm good to go. Before we get into the teaching, that some of them are back there working. Some of them are gone this morning. But I would like to take just a moment. And if you are here this morning, this is a fairly broad range, so prepare yourselves to be just mildly uncomfortable. If you are here this morning and you are involved in the nursery, helping with the nursery, I would like you to stand up. If you are here this morning and you are involved in Children's Church, I would like you to stand up of any any of the classes, teaching at any level. If you are, and here, like I said, some of them are back there, organizing it, bringing snacks, whatever your thing is. If you are here and you are involved in Vacation Bible School, that should cover many of the rest of you, and if you're here this morning and you're involved in youth group, youth ministry, please stand up. These are the people, and many more that are not with us or not here this morning, but these are the people that are helping to disciple the tiny disciples that call this place home. So thank you very much. We'd like to recognize you and thank you. You guys can be seated. It's important that we all realize that we're all part of a body and we're all tasked with different things to do. As Martin shared a little bit, child dedication, this isn't a sacrament or a religious ritual. It's simply an outward commitment of an inward decision to train up a child in the Lord. And as a church family, as Barton shared, we're committing to support these parents in that endeavor. And right now, the endeavor of parenting a child in the Lord could look like not losing them or finding them if you do lose them. Well, no, but that was a reference to a conversation I had with Christian this morning. But uh, it gets more complicated as they get older. It gets more difficult. The questions get harder. The stuff gets, um, the messes sometimes get bigger. Although sometimes as a child, it's like, how can the messes get bigger? And then when they get, when the kids get bigger, you realize just how that happens. But I think it's a lifelong thing. Training up a child in the way they should go is in all stages from the size that Harper is right now, all the way up to there was some training up child's Children in the way they should go going on this morning from grandma and grandpa's to their children. Training up a child in the way they should go is not over when they're 18. It's not over when they're 10. It's not over when they're 20. It's not over when they're 30. As long as you are a parent and your child and you are both here on this earth, there's still a measure of training up those children in the way they should go that goes on. And I think it's really important to note, we kind of talked about this a little bit, that the reason... The emphasis was put on children for as long as humanity's been here is because when you learn something as a child, it becomes very difficult to forget it, doesn't it? I think about, I was thinking about this morning, uh, early this morning I was up and I was thinking about some of this stuff and I was realizing there's like, and this is, a, this is an Isaacism. this isn't in the Word, but this is, a, this is something that we can understand. As long as we've had two-wheeled bicycles, there's like, a bike age, isn't there? There's the bike years. We'll call them the bike years. And what I mean by that is if you learn to ride a two-wheel bicycle within this section of years, you'll probably never forget it. As explained and made clear by, it's just like riding a bike. Anybody said that or heard that? It's just like riding a bike, what do you mean by that? It means like once you learn it, you kind of never forget it. You can kind of get on and you might be a little weeble wobble if it's been a few years, but it isn't long before you remember just pumping your feet and it'll just takes off and goes. And there's things, it's not just bike riding, it's the ABCs. I would venture a guess that most of us in here, although we may miss a few letters, would not miss a note in the tune of the ABCs, however you learned it, and it might be different. But the things that are ingrained in children as very young are very easily brought to recall. Does anybody in here remember doing flashcards? I don't even know if they do flashcards now because there's probably like a flash screen of some kind, but we did flashcards. That was how we learned. That was like my parents' idea of a, of a gaming system was a whole bunch of little, post, or little cards with things on them that we were supposed to learn. We didn't enjoy it as much as everyone that had Nintendos and whatnot, but... We learned a few things and some things we probably wish we would have learned better. But the idea of a flashcard is to repeat something over and over and over, ingrain it in the mind of a child or a student, and then eventually it becomes like riding a bike. When you see something, you think of something. Now, I'm not, I am more, as you all know, I probably do better preaching than teaching, but if any of you are involved in education, I think there's a few people in here that are, you can realize, you you can attest to the fact that... Repeating something is how you learn something. When I was learning how to play piano, my, uh, my mom would tell me things that her piano teacher taught her. And it was repeat, 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 except her piano teacher, I think, spoke French originally. So it was a French version of that. And she thought it was fun to say it that way to me. I didn't speak French, but it was over and over and over. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Do something over and over and over, and then day after day after day, and before long, you begin to learn it. And so it's really, really important. The task before Taylor and Christian is to train up this child and the way they should go. And when they are old, when she is old, she will not depart from it. Now, she might veer off the course periodically. Can I get one amen? But she won't depart. She will return to the way that she has been trained up. And it's a lifelong commitment. And I want to look at a couple instances of children in the kingdom of heaven. I got a couple of little perspectives here, and I'm going to try and work through it fairly quickly. Um, I've Tried that before. We're going to try Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at two scriptures to start with, and then we're going to kind of unpack them a little bit. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read a scripture, then we're going to read a scripture in Matthew 19, and then we're going to kind of look at them just a little bit. So, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 2, Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Turn just a couple of pages over. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 19, picking up in verse 13. We're just going to read a couple of verses here. It says, Then the little children were brought to him, brought to Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come unto me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed from there. Bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word, talk about just a little bit of perspective that you've given us, and how we relate with little children. Lord, I pray a blessing over Harper Grace right now. I just pray the blessing of Abraham upon her and her family, um, that by her all the nations in the earth would be blessed. And that may seem like too much, that's too much. One little child, all the nations of the earth, Lord, but we know that with you all things are possible. We just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we see in these couple of scriptures Jesus interacting with children. And it seems to it seems that the scripture shows that the little children matter a great deal. Can we agree on that? The little children that Jesus is engaging with here, they matter. And I love this first one. We're going to kind of look at them separately. We read them both just to get the proximity of where they're at in the book and what Jesus is talking about. We're going to look at them just a little bit separately. Uh, The first one that we read, Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. I love how it starts out. Absolutely love how it starts out. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How many children do you know are concerned about being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're not even aware of that. Not even aware of that principle. But the disciples, they'd walked with Jesus for a while at this point, and they're, they're wanting to know, what's in this for me? What is in this for me? And Jesus, just to give them a little perspective, I love the way he takes this, and he's like, one second. Let me get a child. And he brings a small child, and he says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What do you think he's talking about there? Become as a little children. Well, we realize that children don't really do who is the greatest like adults do. Contrast, becoming as a child versus who is the greatest. Just think of the contrast. The disciples were very concerned with which one of us is going to be seated closest to you. Which one of us is going to rule over people? They had got the eternal perspective of their ministry with Jesus to some degree We see as they walk, I mean, as they walk out the rest of their time with Jesus on this earth, they didn't have it all locked down, but they understood that there was an eternal perspective here, and they were pretty focused on it to the degree, who's going to be the the most important? Let me ask you this. When we're asking who's going to be the greatest, who's our focus on? Ourselves. Myself. Basically, what I'm asking when I ask Jesus who's going to be the greatest is, where do I sit? right? That's, that's our question. It's not, well, you know, I just want to make sure it wasn't, Pete, you don't see here Peter saying, I just want to make sure John gets what's coming to him. I want to make sure John's sitting at the, you see in this story that they are entirely focused on themselves. Which one of us is going to be the greatest? Because one of us certainly should be the greatest. And Jesus takes them all down a peg and he says, become like a child. And children don't really do Who is the greatest? This kind of leads in really well to Matthew chapter 19. We see in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, what we just read the little children were brought to him. These are the idea here, it just says the little children were brought to him, but the idea is that it's parents, much like Taylor and Christian, bringing their daughter to Jesus, realizing that there is something in Jesus, much like we did this morning, presenting a child to Jesus that he would lay hands on, pray for, and bless this child. Now, these parents in this story, these, the people bringing the children, we don't see that they were anything real shiny. Now, what do I mean by shiny? That could be, that, I'm offended probably that I said that this morning. That's What do you mean? I, what I mean is they weren't somebodies. They weren't somebodies. Can we... Can we we get so ouchy in our culture today, but we realize that there's people that are somebodies, right? There's people that when they walk in, it's like, ooh, 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 uh, put the leftovers away, honey, and get some steak out. These people came. These We don't get in Scripture in this story that these were anybody's. And the little children were brought to him. They were brought to Jesus that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus stopped his disciples. He says, Let the, and I got to believe that Jesus did not say this, um, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago about flannel graph Jesus. We used flannel graphs when I was growing up in church, and so it was like, you know, stick the figure of Jesus on the flannel board. Maybe it was just me. We did that. Anyway, this wasn't that. I got to believe this was not that Jesus with a sing-songy voice saying, let the little children. I think he was pretty firm. Knock it off. Let the kids come. This is really important that the children come to me. I'm going to bless them. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. He laid his hands on them. They were bringing the children for Jesus to lay his hands on them. His disciples tried to stop them. He sticks a pin in the whole project and he says, listen, this is important. And then he goes right on and does what he said, he, what they brought the children there for him to do. Now, I love where this fits in Matthew 19. If you keep reading after verse 15, it says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And he said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one if you read this story all the way out, and we're not, we're not going to read completely through it, this is the story of the rich young ruler. Now, the rich young ruler was a somebody. He was a somebody. He brought things with him. He had an air about him. He probably smelled better than everybody else. He probably looked different than everybody else. He had, it says in the story, if you read down, he had great possessions. And he was pretty thrilled with himself. He had kept all the commandments. Is what he, that's what he shared with Jesus. All these I have kept from my youth. The perspective of these two stories, along with Matthew 18... In the presence of a rich young ruler, we often get our priorities all confused. How many of you know that in the presence of a rich young ruler, children can be seen as an inconvenience? Now, I realize that not everyone has a four year old and a two year old. I have a four year old and a two year old. And there are times when I'm in the presence of a quote unquote rich young ruler that I'm like, would you just be quiet? And they don't perceive, they don't perceive this person as any different than anybody else. My children are too little to get, to get, well, did you see what they drove up in? They're kind of a big deal. They're too young to notice and be aware like, oh, that person, they own a corporation. They own, a, they have a lot of money. They've got a really nice whatever. They're too little for all that. They just see people they just see people. Nice people, not nice people, and they just see people. That's it. All they see is people, friendly people, people that need smiled at. If you've met my daughter, you know that she thinks everyone needs smiled at. She loves to smile at people. At a certain age, people become aware of classes, levels of nice things, not as nice things. Now, These children, I gotta believe, were below that age. These children were not aware that there was a rich young ruler on his way to see Jesus. That there was a somebody, but you know who was? The disciples. Think about that. The disciples, like, there's somebody that could really help our cause, Jesus. These children, what do, let me think, I'm gonna pitch it to you this way. Little children who are being brought to have Jesus lay hands on them probably don't have much to offer, do they? They probably didn't have anything that the disciples and Jesus were lacking. They didn't give them position. They didn't give them food. They didn't give them clout. They didn't give them a feeling of belonging. They're just children. They're just children. But you know, that rich young ruler, he could have provided all that. Hey, Jesus, we don't have any food. This dude's pretty well off. Is there a way we could work something out here? We don't have that much clout. This guy, he was probably a really big somebody. It says his possessions were great. The rich young ruler had everything to give. He could have given them fame and notoriety. He could have given them influence. And who among us, when we're faced with the opportunity to engage a child or engage a influencer, which one of us picks the child? This is not condemnation here. uh, Please, everyone, if that felt like condemnation, just shake it off. That was not meant in condemnation. That's an encouragement because I have squared with this reality, and it's the Lord's timing that everything works together. I've squared with this reality in my own life. And now, there's a measure of this that is also not necessarily just children in age. I want to talk about another perspective of this. You engage a child in their faith, a new, a ba- what we would call a baby believer, somebody that just got born again versus somebody that's a big deal. The same tendencies can be true. It's like, I'm going to, there's somebody coming that I want to engage in this real serious, deep, world-changing prophecy, uh, theological, whatever, deep thing, and I'm sitting here talking to somebody about something that I think is, you know, this is pretty, this is pretty simple stuff. Can you, you know what? I'm going to have to stick a pin in this conversation because there's a somebody coming. I'd love to talk to you. I'll talk to you later. Hey, rich young ruler, how's it going? Does it even, is, it, is this just me? I feel like this is kind of just me. But I'm just, I guess if it is just me, I'm sharing. This is like life stuff. You know what? I, I love that Jesus did not say of the rich young ruler, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what he did say that about? The little children. He said, do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The rich young ruler pretty much squared himself out of the kingdom of heaven by his love for his things. He couldn't trust in Jesus. Because what what would it mean if, if he was to sell all of his possessions, give all the money to the poor, and go walk with Jesus? He would have to trust Jesus. Uh, listen, this is like pulling a band-aid off for me too sometimes. So don't I but like he would have to trust Jesus. He'd have to say, so, but I've got I've got some pretty good investments, Lord, and we, you know, we could use those investments. We could use them to feed us and say, You know what? Sell it all, give it away. We'll be fine. You know, these are big investments, Lord. We are you sure? Like this is my house. Where are we? Sell it. We'll be fine. He would have to trust Jesus. Jesus. Now, what does it take to get born again? To come to the end of ourselves and believe in Jesus. It's easy for a child to get born again. Do you know why? Because children are predisposed to believe. Adults are predisposed to doubt. The enemy wants us to doubt. The enemy wants us to doubt the word of God and he will operate in whatever function he's able to cause us to doubt because doubt breeds doubt. You believe Anybody here believe for something? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Believe for something and not see it. Pray for somebody. And it could be a huge thing. It could be something. I'm not going to ask anybody to share. But I think we've all been in that spot where we're praying for something and we don't see it. And then the enemy takes and he throws that back at us. And he's like, see? See? God's not faithful. See? God's not faithful. We're a child. And we, we take that. And oftentimes when we should discard it with the shield of faith, extinguish the fiery dart of the enemy, we oftentimes will take it and we'll just like stick it on a shelf. Like, well, I'm not willing to say God's not faithful yet, but it is, you know, we didn't see it, so we put it on that shelf of we didn't see it. Does anybody have a shelf of we didn't see it? I have a shelf of those. I try and clean it off periodically, but I have this shelf in my mind of the we didn't see it. And then when I'm feeling down in the dumps, when I'm wondering and I'm asking the Lord, (sighs) lord i mean i just want to see this i've been praying for this believing for this then the enemy comes and he just cleans that shelf all off right and just spills all over it's like oh look at all this mess of i didn't see it and i put them all on the shelf carefully and then the enemy knocks them all off and they're everywhere in my mind it's like look at all those times you weren't faithful now i want to tell you something the lord is always faithful We perceive things to be that he was not faithful. And oftentimes what the enemy will do is he will take the things that we did not see, the things we were believing for and we did not see, and he will knock them all over and try and distract us from the massive list of things that we have seen. We're walking, talking, eating, drinking, breathing proof of God's faithfulness right here, right now. There's a whole room of God's faithfulness. There was a little baby of God's faithfulness up here. There's tremendous stories of God's faithfulness. We have an entire book, volumes of the faithfulness of God, and yet we get like a half a dozen things we don't see, and it's like, Lord, are you still seated in heaven? Jesus, are you still seated, or are you? Maybe somebody knocked him off the throne. No! Jesus is just fine. And as a child, it's easy to believe because children are predisposed to believe. Harper Grace is predisposed to believe. When she is presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ as a child, what we just talked about, dedicating a child, committing, and Martin talked about it, this is a meaningless ceremony if Christian and Taylor are not dedicated to training her up. But they're dedicated in training this child up in the admonition of the Lord. That she will be presented with the gospel. She will be presented with the word of God. At such a young age. And I believe such a constant occurrence. That like her bicycle. When she learns to ride a bicycle. If she chooses to ride a bicycle. It will be natural for her to return. And get on that bike and believe. Believing is natural for children. Adults are predisposed to to doubt. I got a handful of things yet that I want to share. I got a few scriptures. Um, I want to read a couple of these scriptures and some of them Martin took, but I'm still going to use them. The Spirit of God spoke these words, the words that we're going to read this morning, the rest of the scripture, the Spirit of God spoke these words of Solomon, the same Spirit of God that gave Jesus what Jesus spoke. So we understand that this is not a new thing. This isn't something that was just important in the New Covenant, just important for Jesus. This goes all the way back. You know, in Jewish culture, when like the Mosaic Law was given, young men in that day and age would memorize five books of the Bible by the age of 13 because they understood the importance of this train up a child. Get the Word into them, and then the Word will eventually come out of them. Get the Word into them, and the Word will eventually come out, to, out of them. They understand, they understood children that soil is so nutritious it's got so much to gr- it'll grow whatever is planted it will grow it well they understood that and I think today I look at our culture today and this isn't a bash on our culture it's just a, like a an accurate you, we're all familiar in 2021 with temperature taking if your thermometer is not working then it's irrelevant that you took your temperature agreed it's like, well, it says 98.6. Well, it said 98.6 when you got it out of the cabinet. I don't think it's working. It has to be an accurate thermometer. So, I want to take an accurate temperature of our culture. Children today, in our culture, now I'm not talking about the culture of this church, I'm not even talking about the culture of church, I'm just talking in our culture in the world, they're seen as a lot of things. Sometimes it's inconvenient. It just doesn't fit into my life. Sometimes it's, you know what? Let's let the TV raise the kid. And I'm not opposed to TV. Or we'll let the device raise the kid. You know what? Cause I just need some. Anybody heard? I just need some me time. I just need some me time. I'm gonna park them and we'll just turn on whatever turns on. Click, it's on, they'll be occupied, and I need some me time. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't wanna bash anybody. I wanna encourage us that. Our culture does not value the input that is going into children. Culture wide, we got, and why? Because we got too much stuff going on. I don't have time to pour into my children because I got to pour into the bank account. I don't have time to pour into the children because I got to pour into my own happiness. And I believe at the time when Solomon wrote this, there was a different understanding. They realized that what we are shaping, what goes on in those two rooms back there is far more important for the future of the gospel of Jesus Christ than what goes on right here. That generation will change the world. Harper's generation will change the world. She will lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are pouring into these kids. This is the most important thing. Tom was really involved uh, when we've had the opportunity to do Grace Camp. The importance of getting the gospel into children understanding, ascribing value to these kids. I went up and got the opportunity to share a little bit at Grace Camp and I saw kids from all different walks of life come and many of them had no idea that they were worth anything because society, the society that they were in, that they were the nucleus of, had not valued them and I'm not, this is not a bash on anybody, it's a reality check, this is a, we're taking the temperature, we have to value children, Jesus said, of such is the kingdom of heaven, if we have the opportunity to pour into a child, or to try and affect a world leader, I would encourage you that the greatest change you can, the greatest change you can affect is in that child, And that's counterintuitive looking around, because like, man, if you could really get to some of these world leaders, boy, you'd shake things up. Maybe, but if you change that generation, you don't have to worry about the world leaders. They'll shake it up. They're going to be world leaders. They're going to be national leaders. They're going to be leaders of our society. They're going to be sharing the gospel with the world. Psalm chapter 127. Solomon wrote this. And I want to read it in its entirety. It's not really long. It's five verses long. I want to read a couple other verses, share a few thoughts, and then the worship team is going to come up. We've got one more song to do. Psalms 127 reads, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Verse three: Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord; the fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six: Solomon said, "Train up a child in the way he should go." And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Children matter to Jesus. Children should matter to us. You guys can go ahead and come forward. Children should matter enough to us to lay hands on and pray for them. Children should matter enough for us to take the time to correct them in a godly manner according to the word of God. That principle has gone by the wayside today. Correcting children in a godly way. Proverbs also talks about if you love a child, you will correct them. A lot of times today we think that love is just manifest as, well, whatever. It's just Whatever. But really, if you love someone, if you care for them, if you care for their future, you're willing to invest yourself in a correction. And it is an investment in a correction. Because I've parented just long enough to realize that there is a point where it's way easier to just phone it in on correction. It's like, you know, I'm exhausted. I worked all day. I'm trying to keep their house warm. I don't have time to correct them also. I've also parented long enough to see that that yields a harvest. Phoning in correction will yield a harvest, and it's not a good one. It is worth it to take the time to correct our children. Proverbs 22 verse 15 reads, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Foolishness, we, we uh, don't understand foolishness exactly the same way as they did in the writing, the time of that the Proverbs was written. But foolishness was a really, really bad thing. It wasn't like, oh, he's such a fool. It was almost to the level of profanity to call someone a fool. And this says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. We can train foolishness out of children, but it takes an investment. It takes a long-term commitment. It takes... A service like we had this morning for Harper and then a body of Christ actually doing that. And I want to encourage us as parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, church family, that this is a real thing. We can come for child dedication and we can say, what cute pictures of a cute baby. That's not child dedication. We are committing as the body, as Christian and Taylor committed, to help them, to pray for them, to stand with them, to be always ready to answer the phone when they call and say, I'm not really sure what to do. Parents and grandparents, that responsibility is 100% first on you guys. I can testify to that. But eventually it goes beyond that. It gets to the point where this church family is involved in those things. And we have to, I want to encourage us to actually do that. Not just to say, yep, we will, we will, but we're, gonna, you know, we're looking for something to eat for lunch today, so. but to think, stop and think. This is a family, and it's not just limited to this body. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ, and it's, we're just one little part of it here. It's all over the world, but we have the opportunity to help raise these children, to train them up, and I want to tell you, it matters. There's nothing we'll do with our lives that matters more than training up children in the way that they should go. In the admonition of the Lord, children matter enough, this is the last thing I want to share, that we should be able to learn from them. Now this might sound counterintuitive based on what I just said, but hear me out. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, that unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Children matter enough that we need to be able to learn from them. We need to be able to see the way that they believe easily and purpose in our hearts to believe that way. To read the word of God and take him at his word. I've got example after example of sharing stories in the word with Taya. And she asks, so will that happen tomorrow they're predisposed to believe. I want to encourage us as adults or nearly adults, wherever you're at in that, to learn from children. Be willing to teach them. Be willing to pray for them. Be willing to support them. Be willing to correct them in a godly fashion and be humble enough to be able to learn from them. I'm going to pray and then they're going to sing a song. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for the hope that is represented in little Harper. The hope that she just, she fills the room with joy. Lord, I just thank you for Christian and Taylor. Thank you for their heart for you. That You have redeemed them. You have called them out of the miry pit. You have, you have desire to do continuing works in their lives, to reach their community through them. Lord, I thank you that Harper is a part of that. I just pray a blessing over each of our children, the children that are part of this church and the children that are part of the family of God all over the world. Lord, I just pray that we would continue to value them, that we would um, ascribe a high, high value to these children. That we can realize the magnitude of what it means to pour into a child's life. The magnitude of the simple things like what books we're going to read. Lord, I thank you that you've given us speech and words and the ability to communicate, to understand. Thank you that we get the opportunity to share you with these children. Lord, I pray a blessing over the rest of this service, over each person that's here. pray a blessing in the name of Jesus, all these things. Amen.